Maybe then you can see me and I can see you Maybe then we'll come together as a people Tired of the pain cause it ain't new Let's come together as a people Even if we don't share the same view Welcome to the Jesus and Everything Foundation podcast. On this show, we look at all problems affecting the world and we discuss how we can solve them using the character of Jesus, unity, and decentralization of resources available to us. The character of Jesus, or as I like to call them, the Jesus character principles, are principles that whether you are a Christian or not, we can all agree on these principles. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For every episode, we discuss a problem topic from our category list. You can find this list on the Foundation's website, jaef.foundation. We ask ourselves and listeners, what is the goal? What is the vision for this problem category? What are the potential solutions? What are the obstacles? What resources do we need? And what resources do we have? But most importantly, do these solutions and resources pass the character test? The nine Jesus character principles? If yes, then we move on to collaboration. What does this look like? This show is a platform to get the ball rolling on as many problems affecting the world as we can. We want to go beyond just talking about problems. So after the show, we collaborate by acting. First, we open the discussion floor to our listeners. Then we decentralize and open source all of our resources from brain power, manpower, utilities to capital. Before every episode, I like to ask our viewers and listeners, do you ever ask yourself, where are we going? Where is this world going? Time keeps on ticking, the day ends, a new dawn arises, and life goes on. But what is our destination? Do we have any global objectives that unite us when it comes to things like food, security, healthcare, education, or standard of living? It's a fair question to ask. If you work for a company or work for yourself, you have a general idea about your company's vision. Goal. So what is our goal, our overarching vision as the current residents of this planet? What role is your company, your city, your country playing in the big picture? And what role are you who's listening to this playing in this big picture? series called The Christian Checklist. It's under our Spiritual Corner category. You can find the full list of topics we shall cover under this category on our website, jf.foundation.com.
the foundation. That is J-A-E-F dot foundation. God told Joshua something in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 that I believe most Christians overlook. You see, Joshua had been given the responsibility to lead the children of Israel into the promised land to possess it. And God was giving him some last minute instructions before they set off. So picture yourself as the commander in chief. How would you as the commander in chief instruct your army general who is heading out to the battlefield? I'm sure most of us would be looking over battle strategy, tactics, and so forth. However, God's last departure instructions to Joshua seem to be both ironic and iconic. God told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 that this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in this book day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in this book, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. The book of the law that God was referring to wasn't a book containing fighting instructions and battle tactics. No. The book of the law was a combination of God's moral laws, civil laws, and sanitary laws. Interesting right? I think so. However, I want to draw our attention to these specific phrases used by God in verse 8. He said, the law. Now today, to ask Christians, this means God's instructions. Then he also said, meditate day and night. This is a suggestion of a daily routine. Practice remembering these laws, meditate them, ponder them. He also said, observe to do all of it. Put, it in, put them into action. Put God's statutes into action daily. Then by, do, by doing all the above, it's inevitable that whatever you do, you will prosper and have good success. Whether it's a business relationship, romantic relationship, mental health, finances, leadership, physical health, you name it. Just like Joshua was guaranteed good success in possessing a foreign land, likewise God guarantees us good success if we meditate and do all of his statutes. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that, but understand this, that in the last days will come set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. And Peter also told the scattered believers around the world to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. With this in mind, and the awareness of the times, that we currently live in today. As a Christian, you can no longer afford to just wake up and dash out of the door. You need to remind yourself daily that you are like a soldier going out to the battlefield and whether or not you get back home to your family depends on the kind of armory that you go out with 
on the battlefield. Whether you like it or not, accept it or not, as a Christian out in the world today, you need to be thoroughly equipped before you encounter the day. In fact, I like to think of it as it's kill or be killed. So the Christian checklist is just a guide that you can use to stay sharpened and well-rounded in the different areas of your Christian walk. The Christian checklist will help you cover your spiritual blind spots. We hope this series blesses your heart. So open up your heart and mind and let's dive in. Cause the light has shown us No fear's big enough to own us We were never meant to fit in these folders Know this, I ain't scared of these poses Over time we all face opponents They thought they could mess with this focus They forgot the end of the climb's the coldest Know this, life's a battlefield of moments Hold this We are the one here We persevere As we approach the line We march through all those fears That kept us here Walls, you can't hold us. If we just keep running away, we'll never make it alive. Till we stand and we fight, aim fire and blow it away. We're storming enemy lines, leaving no one behind. Welcome back to episode 12 of the Christian Checklist. We're talking about how we should start being methodical about our Christian believers walk of faith. Just like people who work in very high risk environments, likewise, based on the biblical timeline of the end times, we should be diligent about having all our bases covered, all our spiritual bases covered. You see, it's easy for us to get too comfortable in the parts of our Christian walk that don't really stretch us. And we end up paying very little attention to the other areas of our Christian walk where we are weak. And this means we are inevitably going to create blind spots and weak links in the chain of our armor. So the Christian checklist is just a tool we use to do routine tune-ups in different areas of our believers' walk of faith. This is what the Apostle Paul told us in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. He says, 
Do you not know that in a race, all the runners compete? But only one receives the prize. So run your race that you may lay hold of the prize and make it yours. Now, every athlete goes into training. Every athlete who goes into training conducts himself temperately and restricts himself in all things. They do it to win a wrath that will soon wither, but we do it to win to receive a crown of eternal blessedness that cannot wither. Therefore, I do not run uncertainly without definite aim. I do not box like one beating the air and striking without an adversary. But like a boxer, I buffet my body. I handle it roughly. I discipline it by hardships and subdue it for fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel, the things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit, not stand the test, be unapproved and rejected as counterfeit. Paul is talking about this act of this, this attitude of walking our Christian walk as, as an athlete. But he says the stakes are even higher. And he says, if you were training, let's say for the Olympics or the World Cup, um, you want all those athletes are going in there with all, they, they try to make sure that all their bases are covered. These routines that they follow. You always hear of routines that uh, world-class athletes follow before every game. They have a, a, they have a routine before the game, during the game, after the game. They have a pre-game routine and a post-game routine. So when the game ends, they don't just shut down. You know, world-class athletes go into what is called active recovery. You know, before the game, they have a routine. Now, in between games, they also have a routine. They work on every component of their game. So, these seven, the, the seven muscles of Christianity, which is what we've been talking about, are muscles that every believer must exercise regularly to be able to fight the good fight of faith that Paul talks about. As Christians, you are in a fight, whether you know it or not, whether you want to accept it or not. The people who don't believe in God may not know this as well, that they're also in a fight against the forces of darkness. Now, some of them have played allegiance to the forces of darkness. Some people are flat out devil worshippers. So they also have to do their own routines. But best believe that even people who are devil worshippers, people who are part of the occult, all of these, um, the people who get their, uh, whose powers that be are Satan, are evil forces, the powers of darkness, they also have routines that they follow. They are routines that they also have to follow to the T to invoke uh, demonic access. So everybody's in a fight. 
whether you know it or not, you're in a fight. And you don't want to get taken out. In this life, if you're still breathing, you are in a fight. You are in a fight. Whether you know it or not, whether you want to accept it or not, you are in a fight. And somehow you have to decide where is your power source. So you have to be connected to your power source. The people whose power source is the devil, they're connected to him. It is not, it's a public secret. The people who are connected to the devil are always up between midnight and 3 a.m. That's when they release curses. That's when they that's when they invoke their spiritual power. Likewise, Christians, we need to do the same thing. We need to be on top of the ball. You need to be on top of the ball. It's serious. I will read you to understand how serious warfare is. I'll read you this passage from Psalms 140 and Psalms 141. And you'll understand that you are daily in a battle. Every single day. Every single day. It says, this is Psalms one, uh, Psalms 140. And I'll read it from the NIV. It says, Rescue me, Lord, from evildoers. Protect me from the violent who devise evil plans in their hearts and start up war every day. They make their tongues as sharp as a serpent's. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Then he goes on to say in verse 4, he says, Keep me safe, Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Protect me from the violent who devise ways to trip my feet. Says the arrogant have hidden a snare for me. They have spread out the cords of their net and have set traps for me along my path. Now, let me try to find another uh, this is another let me let me find another translation here he says deliver me O lord from evil men preserve me from violent men who plan evil things in their hearts they continually gather together for war they sharpen their tongues like a serpent the poison of asps is under their lips he goes and say keep me O lord from the hands of the wicked preserve me from violent men who have purpose to make my steps stumble he goes to say, the proud have hidden a snare for me and cords. They have spread a net by the wayside. They have set their traps for me. Now, isn't it interesting that when you read this, you might think that this doesn't apply to you because he's saying, David here is talking about, deliver me, O Lord, from evil, from the evil man, preserve me from the violent man. But when you start to read through, you actually see the Lord was telling me that this is actually spiritual warfare that is happening for us in this account. You see, the same way when Jesus was teaching, 
Jesus will teach using parables, things that we understand. You know, Jesus will tell you the kingdom of heaven is like a man who went out into the field. And when he saw that there was a treasure, he went and sold everything he had and came back to buy that treasure. Or Jesus will say, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who went out to sow. You, you see, things like that. He will use parables. Now, as Christians today, we're, we are told that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's what Paul tells us. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and every spiritual wickedness in the, in the heavenlies, in high places. So if Paul is telling us we wrestle not against flesh and blood, so the evil things you're running into when you wake up, when you're going about your day, when you're trying to go about your business, when you read, deliver me, O Lord, from the evil man, he's telling you from the, don't just look, read this as the evil man in the flesh. No, these principalities that are being staged, that are operating through that person to cause evil to you. He goes on to say, which imagine mischiefs in their heart continually are they gathered together for war? This is what happens. Warfare. The enemy and his cohorts and his troops. Satan is set out to see you defeated. Since they have sharpened their tongues like a serpent. If you hear people in who are part of the occult and all this, they'll tell you. They'll have someone just go stand in a certain region and start casting out spells of poverty, of sickness, of pain, of disease, of marriage failure. So this is what he's saying here. They imagine mischiefs in their heart and continually are they gathered together for war. They have sharpened their tongues like a serpent. Adder's poison is under their lips. He goes and say, keep me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from the violent men who have purpose to overthrow my goings. So when you wake up in the morning and you're gonna have you're going you're gonna go about your day, someone, if you're not in active warfare, the forces against you have already purposed to overthrow your goings. If you're going to work, someone has set up an altar of of defeat in that airspace. And it's saying, oh, they want an accident to happen, probably perhaps to claim someone's life as a sacrifice. Uh, they want money to be lost so they could say no person that is going to cross over to this side of town is going to make profit today. So for you, you have your business operating there. You do not know that these forces, unseen forces against you. So this is warfare. This is warfare. Who have purpose to overthrow my goings. And that's why there's another scripture. One of the blessings of Deuteronomy 28 says, you're blessed going out and blessed coming back in. It's to counter all forces that have purpose to overthrow your goings. It says the proud have hid a snare for me and cords. They have spread a net by the wayside. They have set traps for me. This is all warfare against you. And that's why 
in verse 8, Psalms 140, in verse 8, he says, no, in fact, he says, uh, verse 7, he starts off with saying, O God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation, you have covered my head in the day of battle. In the day of battle. It says, Grant not, O Lord, the desires of the wicked, further not his wicked device, lest they exalt themselves. It says, so, he's talking about that the Lord should not grant the things that we're reading up, we've read about in the previous verses to come to pass. It says to come to pass. Now, this is a very important segue. If you look at, uh, I'm just reading now, verses there's another uh verse verse 141 by the way i, I would recommend psalms 140 141 142 and 143 powerful powerful those four passages those four chapters are so powerful they've become my bread and butter for for my prayers it's almost like i can't go to any other psalms if you want deliverance that's there if you want supplications, that's also there. And then if you want these three kinds of prayers, uh, Psalms 140, 141, 142, and 143, very, very powerful. Uh, 141 says something which is a perfect segue for muscle number four that we're going to start talking about. But Psalms 140 is a prayer of deliverance from evil men. Now, Psalms 141 is like a supplication. It's a plea that your prayers might be acceptable. Psalms 142 is comfort in prayer, is reassurance of prayer. Now, Psalms 143 is so powerful. It's a judicial type of prayer in the courts of heaven. So it's a prayer of, of judgment. Favor in judgment. Favor in judgment. So there is a case that David presents in the courts of heaven. And is asking the judge of all, Jesus Christ, for favor in this case. So I would recommend Psalms 140, 141, 142, and 143 as powerful, powerful. You could pray this all year round. These have become my staple. Because they're all different kinds of prayers. 140 is deliverance. 141 is like a supplication that your plea may be acceptable. 143 is about judgment. You're asking the judge to, to, to basically, as he's deciding this case, for, for favor in, in your case. And you remember the scripture says, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He accused them day and night. And Satan still does that. So that's another very, very, very interesting thing. That, um, in fact, what's really interesting while, we're, while we are on this point is 
there is Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So he accuses you day and night. Now, when, oh, anyways, because I would have to really uh, turn this episode around into something else. Um, I'll, I will do a separate recording for this prayer favor in judgment favor in judgment i'll do uh, an unplugged episode just to just talk about psalms 143 and the revelation that the lord has given me which is very interesting anyways there's a phrase that is used in psalms 141 that is a perfect segue to one of the muscles of christianity that we're going to talk about uh, the next muscle of Christianity, one of the, uh, yeah, that we're going to talk about. But in Psalms 141, it's very interesting. David says, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Wow. Keep the door of my lips. One of the things that most Christians are really not good at is muscle number four. So, so far, there are seven muscles of Christianity um, that we have listed. We are moving on to number four. The first one was the word of God. Number two was prayer and fasting. Number three was meditation, which is what we all, which is what we talked about in the last episode. And Basically, there are a lot of scriptures that we used about meditation. Uh, we used Psalms 1, Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. We used Joshua 1, 8. Uh, in this book of the Lord, you shall meditate day and night. It, we also talked about, yeah, Psalms 1, 1, 3 says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his law is in the but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. So we took this scripture, Psalms 1, 1, 3, Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, and superimposed it with Joshua 1, 8, which says, The book of the law shall not depart of the mouth. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and you shall have good success. And we say most people are looking to prosper and be successful. But the key that we see, the revelation that we see in all the scriptures, is that success and being prosperous in everything that you do comes at the end of meditation and say it's not meditation in 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 what uh in 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 this new york times bestseller no 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 it's meditation in the word of god it says this book of the law meditating the word of god now you might use some resources that are attached to the word of god they use the word of god heavily and use them as a guide to meditate as they expound on certain scriptures, that is good. 
But remember, what you're meditating upon is the word of God. So once you meditate, it says you shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You'll bring forth fruit in your season. Your leaf will not wither and whatsoever you do will prosper. Now, there's a scripture in Ezekiel chapter 47. Very powerful. Because here there's two things it talks about. It says you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You'll bring forth fruit in your season. So there is fruit, but it also says your leaf will not wither. And whatsoever you do will prosper. There's three benefits here. You'll bring forth fruit. Your leaf will not wither. Now, the leaf here, if you go to Ezekiel, Holy Spirit, help me. In the name of Jesus. In Ezekiel 47. Is it 47? Yes. Um... Let me try to find it here. Yeah, Ezekiel 47. In fact, Ezekiel 47 is titled the river of life. The river of life is the word of God because he says, when you meditate in the word of God, you will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. In Ezekiel, he talks about the river of life. Now, it's also very interesting. The river of life in the book of Genesis is this river that flows from the throne of God in the middle of the city and talks about these trees that are planted besides this river that have fruit and have leaves. Those leaves are for medicine. If you read about the leaves, it's in the book of Revelation. It talks about the leaves on the tree, on these trees of life. They are for medicine. Now, here in Ezekiel, he's talking about the river of life. Now, down in verse wow 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 this is so powerful let's just let's just yeah let's just read this this is very powerful i'll read it in the new king james just so that everyone can get it the river of life he says uh wow where can i start from uh let me start from verse from verse 6 from verse 6 this is ezekiel chapter 47 from verse 6 this is very interesting he says he said to me wow okay this is so this is so good the healing waters and trees let me just read it all the way from verse 1 says, then he brought me back to the door of the temple and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east for the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. Hmm. He brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside of the outer gate, outer, outer gateway that faces east and there was water running on the right side and when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand he measured 1000 cubits and he brought me through the waters the water came up to my ankles again he measured 1000 and brought me through the waters the water came up to my knees so again he measured 1000 and he brought me through the water came up to my waist. 
I hope you see, the more you meditate in the word of God, you can see here, the amount of water starts to increase. Your river never runs dry because it starts to become deep. So first the water was by his ankles, then his knees, and now his waist. Again, verse 5 says, again he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross. For the water was too deep, water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. He said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. Now, this is where I wanted our focus to start. Verse 7, it says, When I returned there along the bank of the river were very many trees on one side and the other. Now it's talking about the, these. Now you can see Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, about meditating in the word of God, that you are like a tree planted by the rivers of water. It says, There were very many trees on one side and the other. Then he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region, goes down into the valley, and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. The waters in the sea are healed by this water that flows from this river. Okay, let's keep going. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the rivers go, will leave life. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there, for they will be healed and everything will leave wherever the river goes. It shall be that fishermen will stand by it from Engedi to En Engling. There will be places for spreading their nets. Their fish will be the same kinds as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. It talks about now, this is again where I want us to, uh, verse 11 and 12 is where I wanted us to really see the picture painted about the leaf shall not wither. Why are these leaves important? It says, verse 11, but its swamps and marshes will not be healed. They'll be given over to salt. Then verse 12, this is where I really wanted us to focus. Along the bank of the river, on this side and that will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Wow. Wow. Will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their waters flows from the sanctuary. Uh, that's what Revelation also tells us. Their river. It talks about their leaves will not wither. And their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month. Wow. Wow. Because their waters flow. Because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. 
This is so good. So we see the purpose of these leaves. They are for medicine. Now, isn't it interesting that Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 to 24, 20 to 22, this is what it says in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 to 22. It says, listen, it says, my son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. So they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. This is what we're seeing. We're seeing a pattern here of life and health and fruit. Of life and health and fruit. So there are three aspects that will come to us also when we meditate. In Ezekiel, it says the fruit will be for food. The leaves will be for medicine. Here, we're seeing these words are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. So there's three aspects that are also beneficial to us as we meditate in the word of God. Now, you, wow. I'm really trying to think here. There's so much here. There's so much that's happening here. This passage is just sweeter and sweeter the more that I get to read it. All kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither, their fruit will not fail. It says they will bear fruit every month. So, I should bear fruit in December. There is an expectation, there is a provision that God has made for me that I have the capacity to bear fruit every month. Wow. This is... This is, yeah, this is, um, this is like a, one of those reality checks as well. It is, it, it talks about, they will bring new fruit every month. Wow. How wonderful it would be if as believers, we are bring, bearing fruit. We're bringing fruit every month. This is, yeah. You want to talk about meditation? The reason as to why there's a lot of pauses and silences happening right now is because uh, there's some new things that are being revealed to my spirit that I've never really seen. Um, and this is the power of the Word of God. Honestly, now, speaking of, <laughs> it's very interesting. Sometimes, you know, you come on air and you, you plan to say something. And now I'm, I'm having to yield to what, to kind of where this, the spirit of the Lord wants to take this conversation. So bear with the pauses and silences. I mean, we're, we're practicing what we're talking about, meditation. Um, I'm, I'll probably 
just continue talking about meditation and we shall do we shall jump into uh, the aspect of confession in the next episode because I really feel like there's still something to be said about meditation. Meditation, just even this past week, I was having a challenge. I was doing a lot of, um, I felt like I was doing a, a, a lot of prayer, but I wasn't really hearing back from the Lord in a sense of like those unique things you know, there's, there's sometimes when the communication from the Lord about specific things really comes in clear and you feel like you have sense of direction. So anyways, I did bring up that. I said, Lord, you know, I've really been seeking you. Say One of the things say, first of all, you've been doing all the talking. Uh, meditation, when you pray and you keep quiet to hear what the Lord has said, it's also a form of meditation. It says, be be scripture says be still and know that i am god and also says remember when elijah was on the mountain and he wanted to see uh the lord he was expecting the lord to come you know he didn't the wind came but he was not in the wind the fire the storm the thunder he was not in all the loud things but he was in that still, small voice. Now, apparently, what Christians have dubbed as, I mean, not Christians, the translation I was reading recently somewhere that there is no English word to describe the still, small voice. Apparently, the original translation reads, is something along the lines of that he heard the Lord out of silence. And so someone was saying, how do you hear out of silence? And the best way they could describe it was a still, small voice. Now, most people, that the actual context, the actual phrase, the way that was originally written, because you could not, you had, you have no English way that they could transcribe or translate it. They had to give it a definition. But what actually happened is that he heard the voice, he had the voice, he heard the Lord speak out of silence. I don't even, yeah, you, you will have to ask the Lord to kind of give you understanding. So when you pray, like this morning, I had a chance to, uh, as per usual, you know, when I, was, when I was finished praying, I said, no, I'm going to be intentional again. I really want to be practicing what I share on the podcast as well. By the way, some of these things, I'm still growing in them as well. Like I have to remind myself and say, hey, if you're trying to hold other people accountable and tell them to do this, you better be doing it every day. It's not easy. So may God give you grace to practice all the seven masters of Christianity as often as you can and exercise them. But one of the things that I did is um, after prayer, I set aside 30 minutes. I said, Lord, I'm just going to be still and know that you are God. I'm just going to be still and let me just be quiet. 
and hear you. So there's a type of meditation where you can just have the word of God going on in the back of your mind and just not just the back of your mind, the front and back of your mind. And you just massaging scriptures in your mind and you're trying to, but I believe that even when you pray and you be quiet and you just let the spirit of the Lord talk to you, it's a style of meditation. Now, the problem is that the worldly meditation is this concept of like when you're quiet and you try to shut down the mind, okay? And then what? As a believer, as a Christian, that's the time when you now practice and and try to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit out of your bosom. The whole point of meditation is to quiet the noise, is to deafen the noise around you. So if you deafen the noise around you, and for most of us, the noise in our minds, then it's then the next step, part two, is you let the spirit of the Lord start talking to you. So you have to practice this. I encourage you. Sometimes it's been hard. It's been challenging to, um, to sit down and be quiet. Like, but the more you do it, the better I'm getting at it. And I want to get to a point where I can just be quiet and not say a word and let the Lord talk to me for two hours. Now, I think I'm still at around 30 minutes. So I still have to grow. And sometimes it can be almost overwhelming to say, I'm going to be quiet for the next one hour. And I've started to realize most of the times what I used to think was meditation for me. As I say, as I'm saying, there are two kinds of meditation. So you can do the one where you've read a scripture and you're thinking about it in your mind and you're transforming, you're renewing your mind using that scripture. Now, there's another, there's another level where you shut down your mind and you don't regurgitate your thoughts and you're not talking to yourself in your mind. Sometimes I will do that and think that I'm medit like I'm meditating, uh, like I'm being quiet, I'm being still. If you're being still and you want to know that he is God, you have to stop your mind from talking. Basically, you, 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 any thought that comes up and, and, and you kind of feel like you're talking to yourself in your mind, like, no, 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 quiet, quiet. Now, for the longest time, I've really been trying to have someone explain to me or understand how do you practice hearing the voice of God? I feel like I grew an inch in that dimension. Oh hearing, practicing hearing the voice of God, I was able to completely shut down my mind and channeled all my faculties into my spirit. It was weird. It's almost like I, I, one of the things I did, I put my hand on my bosom, on my belly. 
It's a very powerful technique. I'll encourage you to do it if you're meditating and you're being still. Because just, just put put one, let's say you put your left hand like around your stomach and then put your right hand on top of it. And then you close your eyes and then you start to think downwards. Uh-huh. That's the best way that I can really explain it is when you're thinking in your mind, you think upwards and you'll notice that even sometimes when you're thinking, there's a way in which you can posture your, your soul or your spirit to think upwards, meaning you're trying to pick from the brain. So how do you pick from the spirit? It says God is a spirit. So you cannot access God through your mind. So if you want to hear the voice of God, you have to hear him through your spirit. But how do you hear him through your spirit? Like where is your spirit located? Now, based on all of scripture, scripture says, it, it uses the word bosom, out of your belly. If you pray in tongues, you'll also notice that tongues doesn't come out of your head. Tongues comes out of your belly. I don't know why. But that seems to be the <laughs> geographical location of your spirit, man. Is is within that area. I was thinking about that. And I was this morning, I was like, why is it like, why is the spirit man there? You see, it also says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of water. Now, to use our friends, ladies, this, you see the same area where there is, where your womb is for a woman. It's also the location of our spiritual womb. That's where conception happens. It's down here. So if you're trying to meditate, you meditate downwards. If you're trying to think, you think upwards. Meditation happens downwards. That's if you want to hear the the voice, the spirit of God. It's in your bosom. It's in your belly. It's the same area where physical conception happens in a sense of it's the, the, the area where like the spirit and the flesh mix up where, where, where they, where they grow together. You see, when, when conception happens and the child starts to grow in the womb, the child who now has received the spirit, it all happens in the belly, in the bosom. So the, for me, it's not surprising that that's the geographical location of the spirit man for now. Now, I think when we wear our heavenly bodies, that we will maybe be able to meditate with our minds. That might be the case. But meditation, if you want to hear the spirit of the, the Lord speak, think downwards. That's a, that's the best way I can explain it. If you want to meditate with your mind, you think upwards. If you want to meditate with your spirit, you think downwards. Basically, you try to posture your spirit to hear downwards. And it helps when you put your hand, your left hand, and your right hand around along your belly.
area. So, yeah, that's meditation. Anyways, the whole point is most people want to be successful, but let us be reminded that success will come as a byproduct of meditating in the Word of God. There's a lot of power there. So I want you to be encouraged. I really want you to exercise muscle number three, which is meditation. In the next episode, we'll talk about confession. But remember those passages of scripture. Um, Ezekiel chapter 47, verses 1 to 12. But specifically, if you start reading verses 12, talks about this river and says, along the bank of the river, on this side and that, will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither, and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month, because their waters, because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food, and their leaves for medicine. That's how powerful the Word of God is, that we can have all these byproducts, life, health, and fruit, which is food. And then I believe that that food could technically be, will prosper in everything that you do. But actually, those are four different things. Because if you read according to Psalms chapter 1, they're, they're distinguished. You'll bring forth fruit, which is for food. That's what Ezekiel says. Your leaf will not wither, and that is for medicine. And whatsoever you do will not wither. Whatsoever you do will prosper. So those are the three things we get out of meditating in the Word of God. Life. Life. Health. And you get to prosper in all the affairs of life. So, um, yeah, be encouraged. And I hope this episode blessed your heart. I will see you in the next episode when we are talking about muscle number four, confession. Thank you. This was episode 12 of the Christian Checklist series. In this episode of the Seven Masters of Christianity, we looked at muscle number three, meditation and the power of meditation. Why do we need to meditate on the Word of God? You see, meditation conceives the Word of God because it's intimacy with the Word of God. Revelation, knowledge, is conceived by meditation. Meditation turns the Word of God from just information in your mind into revelation, in your spiritual womb, from which then rivers of living water are birthed. Psalms chapter 1 verses 1 to 3 perfectly captures this concept. Verse 3 gives us the three benefits of meditation. It says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that is, after you've meditated in the word of God, that you will bring forth fruit in your season, your leaf will not wither, and whatsoever you do will prosper. Now, Ezekiel chapter seven, chapter 47, verse 12, 
also gives us more insight on the benefits mentioned in this verse 3 of chapter 1 of Psalms. It says, We'll bear fruit every month. The fruit will be for food and the leaves for medicine. Now, Proverbs chapter 4 verse 22 as well says, For they are life unto those that find them. What is life? The word of God is life unto those that find them, that find them. The words of God, which is the word of God, is life unto those that find it, and health or medicine to your flesh. Many people are looking for ways to prosper in the affairs of life. Many people are looking for ways to live a healthy lifestyle, to be healthy, to feel alive. And the key that unlocks all of these is meditation. But not just any kind of meditation. No, it has to be meditating in the Word of God. And as David shows us, day and night. So in the next episode of the Seven Masters of Christianity, we'll dive into Master number four, which is confession. This was Calvin Cabanda, your host for today. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.
let it flow. Let it flow.